Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Marais Show. My name is Thomas Daan. I'm an independent graphic designer and creator of Neo Marais, an online platform sharing the best design conferences and events on a digitalized world. In this podcast, I talk with event organizers, speakers and other creatives to find out what makes them tick. Today, I'm recording from home and I have the pleasure to talk with Helen Martins. She is an organizer of the annual UX conference in Copenhagen which is every year at the end of March. But because of the global pandemic, Hella brought her conferences from an in-person event to a virtual world in just two weeks. And that's uh, pretty amazing. Hella, before we dive into all the nitty gritty of that, how are you dealing with the whole pandemic situation in Copenhagen? Well, I mean, we're on shutdown, of course, and yeah. as we have been since March t- uh, 12th, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's pretty surreal. It's very crazy, isn't it? I'm happy that I've been really busy with the conference and not having focused too much on the pandemic until mm-hmm. after. So the Dan- Danish government decided to go earlier than the Netherlands on lockdown, I understand. So Yeah. Well, on March 10th, I turned 50, and then on March 11th, the world flipped upside down. <laughs> oh, oh, congratulations. So, oh, thank you. It's crazy. It's been so crazy. So I didn't even get to see my own mother on my birthday right. because we were getting warnings. And then uh, basically that day on the 11th, we went and picked up the kids right after school and took them home and I've had them home since then. So that's a whole new situation. And yep. So now you're also homeschooling. Yeah. How is that? Well, I'm lucky that they're older. So the youngest mm-hmm. is 12, and then my middle child is 13, and then I have a 21-year-old also. And so they do their own thing. You know, they'll go on the school and they'll do their homework, whatever it says for them to do. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter will be very structured, and she will do exactly as the teachers say, and she will be online when she's supposed to be. Whereas my son, the middle son, um, He'll sit down for two hours straight on Monday and do the entire week's uh, homework, and then he'll be playing computer the rest of the week. <laughs> Good tactic. So on March 30 and 31, you organized a UX conference um, yeah. online. And can you tell how did you became an event organizer? Oh, that's uh, kind of a long story. I was I fell and I hit the back of my head. I slipped on some ice. And the job, I was working as senior UX designer and, you know, I couldn't sit in front of the computer for a while. I had a concussion and I had a whiplash and a slip disc in my neck and all sorts of other nice things. <laughs> so it didn't take long until I didn't have anything to do at work and then they laid me off. I was like, all right, uh, I needed to find something else to do and preferably away from the computer for a while. And I thought, okay, I'll, you know, start my own company and I'll do workshops and I'll get all these cool jobs that I can work on whenever I have time and whenever I feel like it, (laughs) except Mm -hmm. that's not exactly how it worked. And so, I don't know, I was uh, also, I was supposed to go to the um, Nelson Norman Group in the usability days in London. And my company was supposed to have paid for that. And then, of course, I didn't get to go. And so I was like, okay, well maybe I should just, you know, do my own conference. And I was joking about that for a while. And then I met a couple of people and we kind of put things together and and did the first conference and sold 144 tickets mm-hmm. in like two months. So that was kind of crazy. And then we did a couple of other conferences together. And then, you know, we realized we were going separate ways. 
And, um, and I just stuck with my UX because, I mean, I've been working with UX for 20 years. So that's like my background and my entire network is in UX. So I kept that one and they continued with theirs. And so it's, it's cool. It was always an in-person conference, two days, a single trek. And we also have dinners, like yes. roundtable dinners. And yeah. how did you pick that up? Because uh, it's not really typical European style. Really? Or at least in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, I was, you can probably tell by my accent that I was born in the U.S. Hmm? to Danish parents. Um, I've lived in Denmark for about 30 years now, though, but... Um, I maybe it's from there. I don't know. I just to me it seemed natural. Networking is is why people usually go to the conference. I've discovered. Yeah. And so you know, a party would be a natural part of that. I don't know. There's always been a party. It's always been you know like the main thing. <laughs> this year everything turns upside down because, yeah. uh, as you said, on the twelfth uh, uh, you went in lockdown. Yeah. What made you decide to not cancel the in-person event, but <laughs> Go online. Well, the thing was that everything had been paid for, mm -hmm. and I was reaching a point where I was almost at break even in the budget. So, from you know, and like March 5th is when I sold my last ticket. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the, the pandemic was spreading a little bit, and people were getting nervous, and they were starting to cancel their flights, and they were starting to ask if. You know, what if we come over and then are not allowed back into our countries? 75% of my customers were from outside of Denmark this year. So, you know, everything had been paid for except my salary, which was what I was going to start earning now. You know, these last days in mm -hmm. March was when I was going to start earning a profit. So, I mean, there was no way I could cancel because I was still behind on paying for the expenses. And, you know, if I had to reimburse everybody, then, I mean, I would go into a terrible debt. So, I mean, I, there was no other choice than to continue and then just hope that people wouldn't get too angry with me. So how did you start it? I know that you already record the talks, which yeah. come later on YouTube. So was there a big gap between changing the technical stuff or? Well, not really. And that's also one of the reasons why I felt so confident in doing it was because The, the producer who's, he's been with me since um, 15, I think, 16 maybe, mm -hmm. um, filming the, you know, doing the videos. I had a meeting with him about what to do. And he said, well, you know, I do streaming too. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. I mean, he felt so confident about just turning it all into the online show that I wasn't worried at all. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So he had already had a lot of experience with that. Yes. And plus he, he was like, oh, well, no worries. We'll turn it into a TV studio instead. And then instead of using the whole scene, we'll just zoom on in on you. I didn't know this, but he has a background in television also. So that was really lucky for me also. Well, we ended up asking the speakers to record their talks beforehand mm -hmm. and send them to us. And we would do a live Q&A session with them after the talk. It's funny because it was a lot easier this way because Everything was totally structured. I mean, I knew that this talk was 22.5 minutes, you know, and and then we had 10 minutes for Q&A. So I could structure and plan everything perfectly, mm -hmm. which, you know, at a live conference, it's a, there's a lot of changes and a lot of dynamic stuff going on. So it's always like, oh, I thought that person would talk for 35 minutes and they talk for 10. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in a way, it was easier. I can imagine because you're, if, if it's already pre-recorded, then you know exactly what's going to happen and then yeah. you can uh, anticipate on that. On Twitter, there were a lot of photos shared 
about the whole setting and yeah. the screen. What did you do to make it uh, feel like a real conference? Uh, well, I don't know if it did. I mean, it was it was very different. It was really weird for me to be staring into a camera instead of speaking with all these people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm really a people person, and I feel every year I make like 200 new friends at each mm-hmm. conference because I'm meeting these people. You know, actually shaking their hands and speaking with them in the breaks and stuff. So I don't know if it felt like a real conference to everybody else. Um, it, it was different, that's for sure. I always have workshops during the day, and two of the workshops we were able to do online. Mm-hmm. So there was one you know, hour and a half workshop every day. And in these, they had breakout sessions where you could actually speak to some of the participants. Mm-hmm. And that, I think... If I were to do it again, then I would I would put more focus on those. How did you arrange that? We used Zoom, and they have group rooms. Mm-hmm. But I think that most of the online tools have something where you can break out and speak with people. The live stream, the Q&A sessions, we were recording the whole thing on Vimeo. Oh, and that was I, really I, good, too. Wow. Is it something that you normally also do in the in-person conferences, that you have a Q&A afterwards? Yes. I love that. And, uh, but, you know, it's funny is that if it's a live crowd, I've had a hard time getting people to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And this time with it being, you know, through we were using Slido for questions and also Slack and Twitter and, and Facebook. People were commenting and it was a lot more active. So people were participating a lot more, which is really interesting, I think. How did you organize that? Because if you have Twitter, Slido, Slack, and Facebook that are four channels, how did you manage that? I had volunteers and helpers on each of them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. On some of them, we had people that split. They took, one person took before lunch and one person took after lunch. And yeah, that was super important. Yeah, exactly. Because if there are so many different streams coming at you with all the questions you want to, or at least I think you have to manage that as well. So. Yes. So I had, they would like scope out the question. Sometimes I would look at Slido myself, mm-hmm. but I also had somebody on LinkedIn. Um, but otherwise they would send the questions to me on WhatsApp so that I only had one thing to focus on. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you built a whole f- uh, funnel for this. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a huge team effort. One of the speakers who suggested that they start talking. And then, of course, I was like, oops, that should have been my job. So then I did. And I had to ask everybody, is it okay if I share your email with the others and that kind of thing because of GDPR? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. But as soon as we opened up for that, then everybody was speaking to each other. And I think they, they bonded in a way that was very special. I don't think I have had my speakers bond as much before. Although I do try every, you know, every other year that it's been live, I've had, uh, the evening before our conference, I try to get the speakers together to meet each other. We'll meet for a drink and maybe see each other for one or two hours, and that's it. So this mm-hmm. has been very different. Another part of organizing conferences that you have a sponsors and a network area, and how did you arrange that? Um, well, most of them cut out in last minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear. Thanks. Yeah, that was also why I was really behind on budget because I had some of the big sponsors just kind of say, oh, well, bye. <laughs> so, but then um, some of the others, like user testing, for example, they came out like a week before the conference and said, hey, we're happy to you know give your participants a couple of months of free subscription. And uh, UX Pressia also, you know, so, so we did get a bunch of, you know, free subscriptions for a while. 
um, instead. And so I, I was able to give my participants a little bit of, of content anyway. But yeah, no. So I don't know what I would do about those another time. We had uh, Brave who were gracious enough to you know stay with their promise. And Rosenfeld had sponsored some books. I'm just going to be sending out packages to every single participant with the notebook and a few stickers. And we had a book by one of my speakers, Pia Oxbaum, mm-hmm. called the um, Digital Compassion, I think it's called. It's the Panda Handbook. So I'll be sending those out in separate envelopes. Right. Yeah. So in a way, that's also good because then you have another contact point if you're attendees and then um, you can persuade them to come next year, for example. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they forgive me. Of course, there was, you know, uh, I had to change the pricing in last minute also. So I was, uh, by the time that, you know, Denmark shut down and closed its borders, I was at late bird stage. So the tickets were a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But then when they went online, I obviously couldn't sell them for, you know, it was like a thousand euros, but then I had to put the price down to like, I don't even know how much it is, like 600 euros, maybe 700 mm-hmm. euros. And then some of the people who had bought full price tickets got really angry with me getting the same thing, you know? I mean, but there's not a lot I can do about that. I'm really sorry. You know, it felt terrible to have to do that, but I don't know. I don't know what else I could have done. Um, yeah, this is a very unique situation. Yeah. I had spent all the money and then I was just, just about to start making a profit. <laughs> yeah. That's really hard. I can imagine. But, you know, also the speakers have been super nice. Some of them got their their plane tickets refunded and they they offered to pay back. And one of the speakers offered me to, she actually said that she didn't want her pay. And, you know, I was like, well, it's in my budget and it's part of the deal. So Mm -hmm. we agreed that she would get half of of the fee that we had agreed on. And then I would give half to um, my producer. Right. So that's really okay. nice. That's really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's also something that, yeah, that's everything change, changes now. So that's like a speaker's fee can also change because if you go online, they don't have to travel, you don't have to book a hotel and stuff like that. So Yeah, but still the thing is that there's, the, I, I think it was actually more work for them to do the recording. Why is that, if I may ask? Because they had to do the setup, they had to find a quiet room, which is really hard if you have kids at home. And I think some of them did the recording two or three, four times because they weren't satisfied and they could go back and look at it and say, oh, no, you know, I said something wrong or I didn't like the way it looked. Or So I think yes. they spent a lot more time on it this year. Uh, yeah, maybe. But now they can sell it to somebody else. Yeah, that's true. So I'm trying. I've tried putting them on Vimeo now for purchase um, to try to crawl over the zero in my budget, <laughs> but it's not selling. And I don't know, I haven't done enough to try to sell it, I guess. And also, I think that a lot of companies have stopped. They've completely shut down um, mm-hmm. spending. Yeah. What they do is instead of sending them out for education. Yeah. They say to the senior, hey, in-house. you have to teach. Yeah, it's all, all in-house. Aha. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. To come back to your conference, how did you felt afterwards? Because it was total rush, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it went really, really well, considering mm-hmm. everything. Um, I mean, I got to talk to Donald Norman for two hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I was completely high after that. I mean, I went out into the evening and it was like a beautiful evening and the stars were out and I just felt like I was just so happy. And mm -hmm. day one had just gone so well. And then, you know, and uh, Donald Norman had stepped in instead of the speaker's dinner. So we had a mm -hmm. two-hour chat. He's a big, I don't know if you know Donald Norman, he's a big deal in design. It was just amazing to have that experience. And then, right. and then day two went perfectly well also, you know, I, I mean, I was just, I was super satisfied. I mean, we didn't have any big mistakes. There was one point where um, I was trying to call one of my speakers in South Africa and he had warned me that he was out in the country and that he only had 3G and that he was, you know, everything was solar powered. So he wasn't sure if we'd be able to do the Q&A. And uh, my producer said, okay, 10 minutes. No, he said, I'm sorry, he said four minutes. And I was like, okay, but Trevor's not online. How am I going to do this? You know? And then I called him and he said, but um, I'm in a Zoom meeting and I realized he was in a wrong Zoom meeting. So I had to run to my computer, send him the, the details, run back to the studio. I mean, it was the same room, but still run back to, you know, my podium. And then um, my producer said, okay, 10 seconds. And he was counting down. And at four seconds, I heard from my speakers, you know, the headset, I heard, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, as soon as the camera turned on, I went, all right. And we're back with Trevor from South Africa. It was yeah. so smooth. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh, so so now you also have the experience of a TV presenter. Like, I do. Uh, it was funny. I don't prefer it, I guess, but I mean, it was fun to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it also bring a, a different kind of energy in your body than doing an in-person conference? Like, was there a different <sighs> kind of uh, excitement or like, uh, yeah. yeah? That's a good question. Um, I think, like I said before, that I'm really a people person, so I get my energy from people. So, I mean, there was only two people in the room at most times or three. And uh, so that was really weird. And it was really weird to be standing in front of the camera and trying to joke and make fun and then not getting any response. Uh, it was a different kind of energy. It felt good, but I think that I really missed the people and I missed all the hugs. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you wouldn't do this in a couple of months again, but then like... Sure, I would. Oh, sure, okay. I would. Yeah. Sure, I would. Okay. If there was, uh, you know, if there was a... Uh, basis for sales i certainly would i'm not sure if there would be and i have a feeling that in a couple of months people are going to be really sick of online conferences and webinars and all that yeah 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 you don't think yeah, so? I, I, I don't know i really don't know because maybe the, now there is an overkill if you open instagram then everybody who i follow is doing a live stream every five minutes yeah which is great but it's a lot maybe this is the new situation next year if i do the live conference i mean hopefully everything will be back to normal but if i do the live uh conference then i think i will definitely have a streaming option as well a few more volunteers to kind of moderate the chat rooms right yeah right last week i recorded a podcast with karis Roda from uh, webconf asia yeah. And we were thinking about what the future could be of in-person and online, how this could be combined. For example, if you look at the conference in Malmo, they already have a live stream for several years, but there is no really chatting next to that. Or no. Probably local people go to the conferences and then people from abroad, they will join online and in a mutual slack channel or whatever yeah. 
whatever community app there is uh, at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's better for the environment, right? Right. Yeah. I met uh, Kevin Strange and he lives in Nottingham, I think, uh-huh. or Birmingham. I don't know. Uh, in England, uh, at least, <laughs> or UK. Uh, sorry. Um, he said, okay, I'm not traveling further than Europe anymore. Like oh. it's it's only Europe because then I can go by train or yeah. by car and I don't buy by plane or everything further than than Europe. He doesn't go anymore because really? of the environment. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. I had one of my speakers from the UK was going to come down by train. Right. There are a lot of speakers that um, prefer to travel by train and because it's better for the environment or yeah. they just prefer it because they can work and yeah hmm. so what's next uh hopefully a bunch of freelance jobs i was going to do a new conference in a different part of denmark this fall mm-hmm. but i think that most conferences will probably be pushed to august september and right. so I, I don't think now is the time to start that that's a good question because yeah. all the conferences in september and october are pushed to spring next year yeah, you think so? Uh, yes, or at least oh. that's what I see in the, in the data. Yeah, and you would know. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I should do a live conference right now though. I think, you know, if it's at any risk for anybody, I think it would be a really bad idea. I think we just have to wait and see what the whole situation with the virus goes. Otherwise, I'll just do it next year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was there a big failure during the live broadcasting or just everything went so smooth that you were like it was crazy it went so well I think the only thing that was I mean oh you know what was really bad was the web captioner Uh, we had we'd used like uh, an automatic web captioner so it wasn't a live person doing the uh, the transcription but uh, uh, some AI Mm -hmm. and at some points it was really bad at one point there was like a whole I think they'd done a whole channel on Slack about, you know, the bad web captionings that had been. <laughs> it was hilarious. There were some okay. pretty, I heard of one, I didn't see it myself, but I heard at one point there was some bad language in there. <laughs> and then uh, a couple other things that were kind of unlucky, but it was hilarious. I mean, so, but that was probably one of the worst things. Right. But yeah. you can always move, remove that, right? And later, um, well, you, why not? Yeah, I mean, and we were contemplating whether or not we should switch it off for day two. But mm-hmm. then um, I talked to Molly, who was one of my speakers also, who is actually deaf and blind. Mm-hmm. And she has Usher's syndrome. And she said, you know, um, most people that are hard of hearing, they appreciate captions, even if they're really bad. So Right, because they can get a, a concept, the context of yes. the whole... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we decided to leave them on. And I did, I get somebody on Slack said that it was really irritating and, and it was distracting to them to have it right. on. But we still figured that, you know, it was just, I think it's really important to try to be inclusive. And I really want web captioning at in my future events also. Mm-hmm. So... And also, you know, I figured that maybe if we leave it on, then we could try to improve their AI. <laughs> right. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, did you use Otter or? No, we actually, um, I had been recommended Otter last year by one of my speakers, but um, we tried, I think it's called web, webcaptioner.com. It's just, you know, purely software. So 
I, I, I know that some conferences have live capturing. Yeah. Um, but I didn't thought about it um, for online conference because oh. you never see it. No, but it's so important. Even for people that are not hard of hearing. Like, I mean, myself, if I'm, for example, in bed in the evening and I'm trying to listen to something, you know, that I can't listen to if my husband's asleep or something. Mm-hmm. Then I would need the web captioning, and, and I just can't watch it without, you know. Right. In Holland, everything is subtitled, so yes. I'm very used to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's also the case in Denmark, it but is, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like the best. Yeah. Um, so you are very used to yeah. look at the caption and also watching and listening, and it's um, yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, but I did. Yeah, I have never seen it. I but sometimes you see on Instagram Live. Or okay. Instagram TV. I don't know. You see some of the the news reporters also have live capturing uh, yeah. there, or they do it in post production. I don't know. But. Oh, that could be. Uh, we were considering that too, but you know, it was so last minute. Everything. We're just like, we mm-hmm. just want web captioning, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll take something. We'll try something for this year, mm-hmm. and then next year we can improve it. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was looking into it for last year's conference with having somebody there and transcribing live. And they are like, they're more than 100 euros an hour and you would need two mm-hmm. because they get tired. Yeah. So I just didn't have the budget for that, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I think Beyond Tolerance is also using that, but this guy is remote. Uh-huh. He's the only one who's watching the live stream and then he's... Um, live transcribing oh wow and what other things that you do to make it an inclusive event um i don't know if we've done more i mean i try to be i try to bring in at least diverse mindsets and i have this thing about wanting to focus on having 50 percent women speakers which is kind of irritating to me because i wish it was just you know something i didn't have to think about mm-hmm. but i think until it's the norm then i just want to keep focusing on bringing in more women speakers. I try to bring in voices from different parts of the world so that because I feel like we're in a very closed bubble in Denmark, maybe mm-hmm. in Europe. Yeah. So so I ask about inclusion, but for you it's a way of curating your conference. I hope so. You curate your lineup in a certain way so that there is a equality between female and male speakers, but you also have diversity from all over the world and yeah. You also mentioned that there was a blind and deaf speaker. Yeah. So that's um, already very inclusive, right? She's just fantastic. And it's so important for us to, she says these basic things like uh, the remote control was actually designed for a wheelchair user. And now everybody has one on their on their coffee table in the living room. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way of thinking instead of focusing on oh, I'm doing something for somebody that's blind or hard of hearing, then just think about other contexts also and try to think about your elderly mother or your or yourself in the evening if you can't listen with sound on or in the bright sunshine or what do I know? <laughs> what I hear that you're really thoughtful are in the way you curate um, the whole program of the two days. And that I really uh, love doing that. I love putting together the program and putting together the speakers and, you know, bringing forward subjects that I think are important. This year I had somebody speaking about um, how she designs against uh, domestic violence. 
which mm-hmm. I think is is super important because not a lot of people are talking about it. It's like uh, a taboo to talk about domestic violence. And most of us, if we think about about helping somebody who's in a, a violent relationship, we think, well, maybe we can send the police or we can, you know, give her a psychologist to talk to or we can, uh, you know, maybe send them to a shelter or something. But my speaker, Eva, she, Eva Pensimuk, she was um, highlighting how domestic violence is also somebody controlling your bank or controlling your webcam or your phone even, you know, and how we can help bring focus to these kind of these ways of stalking or or being abusive how do you find the people that you want to invite to your conference um in many different ways actually so some are recommended to me this woman eva pensimug she was at my conference last year and approached mm-hmm. me afterwards with the idea of speaking about this you know the domestic violence part and i was like yes you're on <laughs> mm-hmm. Right away, we need to be be more vocal about this. Um, I actually have a call for papers also, Mm -hmm. which I've done for two years now. And I mean, this year I got over 300 proposals, so it's crazy. (laughs) It's completely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to structure that for next year because, uh, you know, I read every single one. I respond to them personally and so on. So that's a lot of work. and then other times people will recommend somebody or or sometimes I, I stumble across things on Twitter or, you know, on social media. Mm-hmm. And I reach out to the person and I say, do you ever do public speaking? And they usually say yes or no or, <laughs> you know. Okay. But 300 people are applying to talk at your conference. That's yeah. a lot. That's crazy. I was not expecting 300 applications, that's for sure. That's a whole different way of getting in contact with other people and get yeah. different views and yes i don't know nothing about the quality of the applications but at least people are willing to come to your conference and talk uh, talk about something that they are really passionate about yes that's great yes it's fantastic i love it how many people did you select from this open call papers? i had i think three of my speakers this year from brazil one was from seattle and one was, what was my third one? Oh, maybe four. Kai Zeng was from Singapore. And what was the last one? Oh, she, well, she was from Sweden. Oh, that's great. And uh, were there first-time speakers? Always. I always insist on having somebody new on stage. Unfortunately, this year, you know, it was different because it wasn't in front of all these people. But yeah, and then I usually also promote startups and try to get them on stage also. It's usually Danish startups mm-hmm. just to promote local startups. Why do you do this? That's just another one of my principles. <laughs> it's trying to help people. Ah, okay. So what I also hear is that you have maybe not written down, but a manifesto for yourself. Okay, I want to have yeah. this amount of women on my yeah. stage. I want to have people from all over the world. I have yeah. it written down in the... I think it's, it's somewhere on the website. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, hmm, I have to look that up. Thanks. So to round up for next year... Yeah. Are you already thinking about that? Or I have like... 15 speakers already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. The That's theme great. will be um, commoning. So, commoning? Yes. We'll be talking okay. about democratizing design. And we'll be talking about you know social initiatives and co-design and all sorts of really interesting things. Okay. Yeah. 
So cool. Uh, and it's the same uh, Monday, Tuesday from March next year, something like I that? think so, yeah. That's nice. Hopefully. So, uh, yeah, that's also something that you now have to think about. How do I schedule it? Do I reservate a venue or not? Or do, yep. like, do I go online? What's the, what's the deal here? Yes. I think I will start looking at that in September. And then I think I'll make sure to have some very concrete things written in the in the contract with the venue right. just in case okay. because some people are saying there will be a second wave of the covid-19 yeah 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 that that's probably going to happen yeah okay and where can people find you on the internet well i um, i mean there's the website uxcopenhagen.com mm-hmm. and there is uh, an email that is hello at uxcopenhagen.com and I'm also on Twitter, both as UX Copenhagen and also as Hela Martin. So my name spelled backwards with my uh, handle. And uh, people go by the, the live stream. There's some, there's such good content on there. If I could, you know, explain to people how important it is to watch these talks. But and see, where can people buy this? On on my website, also UX on Copenhagen. On your website. I will put a link in the show notes. And can you, one last thing, can you highlight one that we absolutely must see? Oh, all of them. They were so fantastic. They were so different also. I mean, there was Jose Coronado on leadership in design. And there was Pete Trainer, who just uh, absolutely will, you know, hit you in the gut with emotions and Pe Axbom and... I can't choose one. <laughs> all okay. of them. All of them. All of them. Fantastic. Okay, great. Um, Doug Collins, so, he was first time on stage. He was excellent. Eva, I mean, all of them. Okay. Nadia, oh, I can't stop. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, so everybody go to the website, check yeah. some UX talks. Um, okay, Helle, thank you so much for your time. And, and Thomas, uh, can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. How can the community support you? Um, that's a good question. I have a Patreon page. It's, oh, you uh, do? Pa- yeah. I have a Patreon page. Uh, it's called patreon.com slash Thomas Dam. Okay. And um, you can advertise on my website. Okay. And if you have tips of how to improve the website, that would be oh. very welcome. Okay. Um, I'll have I a think- look. I never thought of that. Because I'm constantly working on that, but there are so many things that I don't know. I just do stuff because I think, oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. But if you have feedback on the usability or the the strangest things that you see, that can be on the... um, You have an account, right? Yes, you bet. Yeah, okay. So that can be on the backside or on the front end. It can be both. So yeah, that would be very helpful. You bet. Thanks for asking. Bet. It was so uh, great to um, talk to you. And thank you so much for your time, Ellen. Stay safe. And, yes, and um, you too. And thank you for asking. I'm very honored that you would ask me. Sure thing, <laughs> sure thing. Okay, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Thomas. Thank you. Hi, it's Thomas. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, 
SoundCloud, Spotify, neomare.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Daam, at neomarais and on Instagram at neomarais.show. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you find some episode notes. Next to that, Neomarais has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world. You can sign up for Neo Monday at neomarais.com slash subscribe. And now we also have a basic Patreon page and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash Thomas Dam. Thanks for listening.